Welcome to the Voice of Fandom Podcast. The one place where you, yes, you, you, the viewer, the fan gets to connect and interact live with the host and talk about your favorite sports team, athlete, or game of the week. And speaking of host, he's straight up, straight to the point. And with a mic in his hand, he lets you know he don't give a sh. Former pro wrestler and your host, Kingston Robinson. Yes, sir. We are back in the saddle. It is November 19th, 2020. And we got a handful to talk about. NBA draft was last night. Football starts tonight. Rolling into the next weekend. It's week 11. We are now actually in playoff bound territory. Like we can actually, we can actually talk playoffs and not seem too uh, just out of the ordinary and super unrealistic and all that. Like we can actually start looking at what the hell is going to shape out in the NFL playoffs. So welcome to the Voice of Fandom podcast. I know you've already heard it. The intro. I, you know what? I have to say. Before we dive into anything, uh, the the how how life works is really interesting to me uh, because you know a lot of people have those phrases like you're always in the right place that you're supposed to at the right time or you go through everything for a reason every everything has a reason you know all those things and what I want to say is really interesting is that I started putting together this podcast. Before I knew uh, this this podcasting or this media outlet or anything like that was going to be possible. And I, I just want to share a little story before I dive into all sports stuff, because I feel that even though this is, you know, a, a sports branded podcast and things of that nature, this has also been kind of a deep dive into me because I have not been on any media outlet since I stepped away from professional wrestling. And since then, I've been trying to find some kind of expression uh, for myself because my whole entire life, I've always been in some kind of sport. I've always been in some kind of activity um, that I could express myself in. I mean, my father put me in martial arts, karate and all that very young. Uh, I was also in Boy Scouts. Um, Once I, you know, got, got older, went further through school. Uh, I was in band. I was in chorus. I uh, played football. I played soccer. I like. I was always very active in things. And when I graduated high school and continued doing college, I found myself in this lull because uh, before going to college, not a lot of people know this, but before going to college, um, me and my dad decided that uh, I was going to miraculously get in shape and go to Georgia State and do a walk-on tryout to, uh, you know, be a part of the team. And uh, we went through months and months of backyard training and this or that and getting myself back in in football shape. Uh, Went to Georgia State, did the tryout, um, and I was accepted, but I could not um, afford to go to Georgia State, uh, just personally through family and all that. And I didn't want to put on more um, of a financial burden than that was already accumulated with just going to the college that I was going to. Now, what was dope about the college that I was going to 
that if I would have finished just, you know, one or two more semesters, I was going to be able to transfer to Georgia State because at that point they had became like uh, sister schools or development school for each other. So I was very close to doing that. Uh, but instead, I decided to, you know, work two jobs, continue working, decided school really wasn't for me. Um, and I hate that I kind of have that stereotypical athlete story of like, oh, yeah, I could have went big and blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I don't see I don't see myself being one of those like, oh, I could have been an NFL, you know, player type. But that was something that I dropped because I pursued what was a childhood um you know, aspiration for me. And that was professional wrestling. Uh, what position I would have played, I would have played <clears throat> a tight end because that's what I grew the most comfortable in. Um, after I moved from middle linebacker, uh, when I was playing football on the regular, I moved from middle linebacker to tight end. And I just, I just love the game that way. It's always been my favorite position to watch on the field. Um, I've always enjoyed a to me, tight ends are one of the most athletic football players because you have to understand everything around you on the ball. You have to run blocks. You have to shed blocks. You have to disguise the fact that you may be running a route. Um, or if you are a tight end of that caliber that demands that much attention, you have to disguise every movement that you make. Because if you're run blocking, okay, you're hidden from the scheme, but you also want to be able to fool the coverage downfield and think you're going to run a route. Then you can run block and then get to the second level and help your runner um, as they're going down the field. So there's a lot of lot of things that I really liked about being a tight end. Uh, but it, it was really all a mistiming thing. It was all it was all too rushed. Um, I believe if I would have stayed playing football regularly um, and then made that decision, then, of course, I, I would have pursued that to the highest level. But I didn't. And that that was just a misjudgment on me. But to get to the whole cornerstone of this, I was putting together this podcast before I even knew I was. Um, I went to um, start making music again. I have been very involved in music. Uh, I, I love making music. I love creating music. Uh, I love listening to music, of course. And I used to sit down every day after school or when I have a headache or any time that I just need a creative release and I would just start making beats. And I started making beats on my parents' computer with dial up internet with torrented and uh, uh, cryptid full programs that I was not supposed to have. Um, it took me hours to be able to render down a song that had more than two or three levels to it. Like it, it was a pain in the ass, but I love doing it. I love taking a sound clip and turning it into an entire song that no one's ever heard before. Uh, I was so fascinated in the fact that I could do multiple genres. I could understand multiple genres and the core progressions and how everything goes. It was a great creative release for me. So during this quarantine time, that's what I started doing again. Um, I, I, I don't have a computer of my own at the moment, but I was like, look, the technology has advanced so much since I started doing this. I know that I can at least make, you know, some, some kind of instrumental, some kind of beats, um, on my iPad or my phone, or, uh, I used to channel them together, like dual channel them together and like make a beat on one, send it to my other one to where 
I could use that as a MIDI controller and play the keyboard part and I, all those all those kind of ridiculous things. So uh, I started doing that again. And my thought was, oh, I'm making these songs for, you know, my entertainment, my enjoyment. If it piques some interest, you know, like I'll, I'll throw them up on SoundCloud uh, just to show like, oh, this is my creative expression. And also to log it. Because, you know, we go through phones every couple of years, all the times we lose data here and there. So I'm going to put it on SoundCloud so that I don't I don't lose this. Uh, and then that inevitably led me to this because shout out Gat. But if you don't know Gat, Gat uh, heads up the uh, KCPN. And Gat was the one that, you know, we had mutual conversations with about Chiefs football. And then it led into I started watching uh, some of her content and noticed she was using copyrighted music. And I was like, hey, you know, if you need just instrumentals, I can cook one up for you. So that way you're not getting hit by outside monetization or anything like that, um, you know, on your videos or on your content. And you won't have to worry about anybody coming at you for copyright or any shit like that. Dope. Cool. Send me some files. I'll let you know. And I just sent her some stuff that I had made on my phone in like. Hey, this is an idea of what I can do. I'll make something for you. And she ended up picking one of the songs that I just made like randomly. And I was like, oh, okay, that's dope. And then that's this whole working relationship that started this. Um, then, you know, after a few more conversations, seeing each other's content, things of that nature, that's what ended up developing this. And what's even more funny is that I logged such a bank of instrumentals and songs and and file types and stuff like that, that now that Podbean is able to allow me to use my own files instead of me going in and editing uh, post alive. It is very interesting that I now have my own song bank. I have an intro and outro and all this that I'm able to do live that I would not have had unless I took the steps just naturally <laughs> Um, that I did. And so I find it very interesting that uh, just my random thoughts, my random uh, urge to do things creatively have actually always, always turned out for the better. So I promote to anyone that hears this, that shares this, that does whatever that they want to do. If you have a strong inkling to be creative or do something to express yourself or, or that reason, do it. Just do it, especially now, especially in a time where we could be seen. Well, I mean, we're starting to see another lockdown come through. We're starting to see things that um, are keeping us cooped up, not allowing us to, you know, do the distracting things like hang out and drink with our friends or, um, you know, stuff like that. Like this, this is now your second chance uh, to take a deep dive into yourself and be expressive and do what you've been wanting to do. Uh, whether if it's, Something on the creative aspect, something on the athletic aspect, something. Just do it. Um, I know one thing for me, <laughs> this is going to sound really crazy, but outside of this creative expression, I think mentally I just needed a break. Uh, all through life, well, all through my adult, small adult portion of my life, I've worked. I've worked a lot. <laughs> Um, high school, I was one of the few high schoolers that as soon as I got a, a car, I didn't use that to, uh, go to football game after parties or, um, 
all that kind of stuff. Like the most that I did would be like a Saturday night. I would go to one of my friends' house and we'd just play video games. But outside of that, once I got my car, it was school and work. Um, and then after school and work, it became school, college and work. And then then college and work and work. And I, I just did that. And I developed this mindset of this is what I have to do all the time. Like I, I've seen my dad hustle. I've seen my mom hustle. Like I have to hustle. Um, and that's what I always did. I either rocked two jobs or I had a job and I was doing something serious. And that, that was just my driving mindset all the time. And I did that from, I graduated high school early. I graduated high school at, uh, 16, about to turn 17. Um, then continued doing college right after that. Um, and then was working two jobs through my last, last year in college. And then after that, I became a GM of a store. I was running that store while <laughs> starting my profession in um, professional wrestling. And wrestling is a very, if no, if you've never got into wrestling, uh, it is a very physical and financial taxing um, experience to go to when you first start. Uh, because it's not like any other sport where you can get into and you get years of experience with other places uh, helping you out with like your equipment and stuff like that. Like when you play football, you pay a yearly fee, especially if you pay for if you play for a school, you pay, you play you pay yeesh p words, you pay a yearly fee, and then the school provides helmets, shoulder pads. Uh, you know, your uniforms, your paddings, your all that. If you want something that's yours, like that's custom, like uh, say you want your own fancy mouthpiece or you want your own fancy chin straps or knee pads or whatever, then yes, you you pay for that out of you. But, you know, outside of that, you can go through years of football and it be on somebody else's dime. Uh, but with wrestling, that it's not a thing. There's not a wrestling school that you go and not only do you have to pay for the school, but they don't just provide you with gear, uh, boots, or anything like that. You are there for training that you paid for. And then once you start to get ready, uh, then you have to start, you know, buying, buying your boots, buying your knee pads, buying your elbow pads, buying your, you know, whatever your attire is going to be. It's a very financially taxing uh, profession to get into. And until you start making money, on the booking daily of the booking frequency, you're in that hole for right then. And then that's not including travel. That's not including uh, meals on the road, gas, and all those kind of things. And kind of ranting about wrestling, which I never thought I was going to do today. <laughs> but what I am saying is that whatever you plan on doing, do it now. Even, even. If it's just a break for a second, sometimes in life, actually not even sometimes in life, that's definitely needed at times because you hear about those people that ran themselves in the ground for 10, 15, 20 years. And then they're just like bitter and they never had time to take a second and, you know, smell the roses as they say and all that. And then of course you have people on the other side that are like, oh, I grinded for 35 years and now I have this much in my bank account and this and that and this and that. But by that time, they don't even care to enjoy life. You know, they see life as a dollar sign, which if that's your mindset, that's what you want to do. Cool. I, I can't knock you for your viewpoint, but just 
just enjoy it. Just enjoy like we only get one. Some think we have multiple, but in the grand scheme of things, I believe that you only get one. Enjoy it as much as possible. Um, it's things that's brought me to professional wrestling. It's things that brought me to football, music, and now this podcast, which I think has been um, such a great expression for me two times a week to be able to just come on here and shoot the shit because the same conversations that I'm having, I used to have at the bar with a bunch of my friends uh, and we would just shoot the shit, drink, and, and watch football as it's going on. And I haven't had that in a year and a half. Um, close to at least. So this is really dope to have this. So anyways, now that that whole thing is over with, let's get into what the fuck is going on everywhere else. So we got week 11 coming up. We got all these, uh, you know, football games rolling NBA season to, to those that follow NBA very well. It's started now, you know, once the draft hits, it's rolling. Uh, We saw the draft pretty much shake out exactly how we thought it was going to shake out. So there's not too much to dive in on that. There was going to be one wrinkle, um, and that was the fact that Klay Thompson got hurt again. Um, This time it's on the opposite leg. There's not been a a full diagnosis that has come out about Klay. But I will tell you one thing as an athlete. When you hurt a limb, say it is especially – a lower limb, legs, especially when you hurt legs. As you're rehabbing and as you're getting yourself healthy to go back into that sport, no matter what you think, that other side of your body, the non-injured side of your body, is going to compensate naturally because you are hurt. That is just body mechanics. That is what it does. And, And that goes from anything from a pulled muscle to a spring toe like it it doesn't matter there will be another side of your body that will naturally compensate for that injury and <clears throat> yes he was scheduled to come back we were about to see the most exciting backcourt in the nba uh back at full force plus getting a which i knew regardless they were going to end up getting a new big man to be able to help complete this team um but then you hear, wow, there's reports out that Clay Thompson has now hurt his other leg. Once again, no uh, expert diagnosis that has been out, no exact diagnosis that's been out, but everyone is fearing the worst because, once again, due to that compensation, usually your injuries will mirror the other side. So if it's a ACL, MCL, PCL, um, Achilles, Achilles is being thrown out there a lot. Uh, So if it's a ruptured, torn um, Achilles, you know, that's another year. That's another year of time and rehab. And this is coming off of a rehab that he's still technically going through. Like, yeah, he's been back at practice. Yeah, he's been back on the court. But you're constantly rehabbing those kind of injuries. Um, And due to that overcompensation, due to maybe him getting back on the court too early, Um, I don't know. I'm not his physical therapist. I don't know in what shape he was in, but that sucks because when you look at the Golden State Warriors, you know, you, you assume playoffs, you assume 
finals. You assume, you know, a pending chip coming their way. That's the resume that they've put up in this past half decade. Now, I don't I don't know if you can just put them. I, I would love to see them in the playoffs. I, and this is the thing. I'm not a Warriors fan. I am a Steph Curry fan. I think Steph Curry is incredible because of Steph. I will say this. Because of Steph, I enjoyed Clay Thompson's play a lot more. Um, and I'm not saying because like Steph makes Clay. I'm saying because I watched Steph, it put my eyes on Clay Thompson. And to see that team, and this was years ago, and to see that team continue to flourish it is remarkable. But I don't pledge my allegiance to the Golden State Warriors. Um, like I've said in previous episodes, when it comes to basketball, I am a player fan. I don't really have my own team. Um, the closest thing that would be my own team are the Bulls, and I do watch them. But, you know, after a while, why am I watching them? They're not making the playoffs, so I got to start watching teams that I enjoy um, that go further in the game. But this this is a big that, – that was going to cause a little wrinkle in the NBA draft. But, of course – um, because of the lack of knowing exactly what the injury is, um, Golden State did exactly what they should do and got Wiseman at center. Um, we we saw one ball brother go to the Charlotte Hornets, which would be it's hilarious because if you guys don't remember, uh, Father Ball, that's what I'm gonna call him. <laughs> Uh, I remember he went on first take and said that he would beat Michael Jordan in his in his heyday, as he says. And I think that's fucking hilarious. And now he's his son. One of his sons is going to the Hornets. And he's going to have to deal with MJ. Now, of course, there is nothing to be taken serious about this. There is. I do think Father Ball and MJ will be an interesting dynamic. Uh, but then again, the balls carry this interesting dynamic because of their father. It really has nothing to do with them. And what's crazy is that this is the most talented ball, in my opinion. Um, I, I think he's definitely going to immediately jump into the Hornets um, and prove his worth, if not more. Um, he's an excellent shooter. There's one game that he put up like 2K type numbers, and that's when the national media really jumped onto him. Um, but outside of just being part of the ball name. Um, but Father Ball has it right. If you go on and you're a personality and, you know, you attract that much media attention, people are going to, you know, flock to you and understand you. And what's crazy is that Lonzo is sitting there like, he's got a chip already. How crazy is that? Did you think Lonzo Ball was going to have a chip already? Because I, I didn't. Granted, he got paired up in the right situation with the right players. But I, I would have never thought it. But the top 10 of the draft shook out pretty much exactly how everyone thought, um, especially the top five. The top five was almost immovable. Um, there was a point in time where I thought the Warriors were going to trade down. Uh, there was a point in time where I thought maybe the Bulls would go a different direction and uh, where they picked. But 
everything shook out exactly right. So that's that. But let's get to the nitty gritty because so far there's not too much that we can talk about basketball until, you know, maybe some more players get thrown around right now. James Harden is still, I guess, I guess still looking to be traded. But to me, if there was any time it would have been, you know, prime time, the Rockets would have put together a package and tried to, you know, trade within the draft to be able to continue to uh, build that team without Harden if that was their plan. But hey, who knows? The NBA is fucking crazy. Also, the NBA is way wilder in moving bigger stars than the NFL. And if you aren't uh, savvy to that already, then you're slipping. But uh, yeah, the NBA will move anybody, no matter the contract, no matter the name. Um, if you're trying to be gone or if they're trying to get you gone, it'll happen. Uh, so with that being said, let's jump to the motherfucking NFL. So <laughs> last episode, oh, and to address another thing, there are people that, uh, just get to listen to me, um, on, on the, uh, on the other outlets, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Amazon, Google Podcasts, uh, all, all those things on the KCPN app. They just get to listen to me there and they're like, where the hell is episode 10? Um, I got asked several times what happened to episode 10. It just went from like 9 to 11. Um, and of course, this is episode 12. So to address those people real quick, episode 10 ended up being like a, uh, I guess, a secret episode. I, I don't know what happened. But I started recording episode 10. I went live with episode 10. And I don't know what happened with my microphone because it was giving me feedback. I was able to hear everything. Uh, my music was playing through well. And for the first hour, even though I had people listening live, um, for some reason, my mic wasn't going out to Podbean. So they listened to me for an hour and it was silent until my break music hit. And they're like, oh, he's finally going live. And I started seeing that in the chat. And I was like, I've been live for an hour. Um, and then my homeboys hit me up that were also listening and let me know that, uh, no, they haven't heard shit for an hour. So uh, what I did was I cut the feed and then I went back um, and did a whole nother room. And I just did like a 45 minute recap of the hour that I missed plus what was in my notes for my second hour. So that's why episode 10 didn't go anywhere. It was just kind of a live experience. Um, and that's, that's what it was. So that's where episode 10 went. Um, it was just kind of a secret episode, which is also why everyone should be following me on here. So you get the notification when I go live anyways, and you can be in the chat and let me know hey, I can't hear you, dog. Uh, fix your mic or restart the room or something like that. You know, that 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 would help out a lot, just saying. Uh, so uh, that was the explanation on episode 10. So if you hear this anywhere else, just know that that's what happened. Now, um, I'm pretty sure I got everything figured out. Um, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, uh, Podbean has done some updates, which have allowed me to do a lot more things than I thought I was going to be able to uh, to do. It's also cut my edit 
time down because each episode I was, you know, taking my live clip, shaving off the Podbean music, putting my music in, putting my intro and outro in, um, you know, fading in, fading out, all that kind of shit. And then, up, you know, re-uploading it back up, sending it off to uh, Gat and then Gat would um, disperse it out to the media outlets. Now that I can do everything live, as long as I can, you know, function as a multitasking human being, uh, I can just do all my shit and then shave off the uh, gather music, as I call it, um, and then just upload it and it's ready to roll. I love it. Thank you, Podbean. I appreciate you. But anyways, let's get to some football talk. So football is going to be very interesting this week uh, because once again, now we're rolling into uh, you know, playoff bound football. This is that time in, in any football, you know, level, this is the time that you play your best football. Uh, this is almost a time that your, you know, your better teams just hit their buy. They're coming out of their buy things of that nature. Uh, and then also everyone's locked in to go towards the end of the season. They always say November, December, January football. And it's so true. I have seen players in person and, you know, on, on the television lock into a completely different gear when it comes to this time. And that's why it's it's fun to talk. It's fun to predict and all that kind of stuff going in to this time of year. But this time of year is when you see what a team truly is, because if they start getting exposed in week 13, week 14, then you're like, OK, there is an issue. You know, this this is not this is not the team that we thought. If you get exposed in week two, cool. That shit happens. You know, everyone uses the term trap game. I've even used it as sometimes, but trap games aren't really real. Like to be honest with you, there is not a football team there on any level that decides to look ahead at another game. There is never a football team that is like, oh, we know we have, I'll use high school for instance. Uh, there's not a coach that's going to be like, oh, we have uh, East Central High coming in this week. Uh, they're 0 and, 0 and 8. We don't have to game plan for them. We're going to look at Cousins High School because they're going to be a better threat. That never happens. And if you love the sport, every time you're on the field, regardless of your opponent, you're playing, you're playing your brains out because – if you have that, uh, you know, fortitude to want to go to college or go to the league or whatever that may be, you're going to constantly try to put, especially now in, in this age where you can make a great tackle or make a great catch or make a great run. And then you're going to be on Twitter trending. You're going to be on an ESPN, you know, segment show, whatever. So you're constantly trying to put on good tape. So the, the term trap game is kind of outdated. But any given Sunday is not. <laughs> and on any given Sunday, a team can come and wreck your shit if you aren't prepared correctly. So this is the time of the year where you see your closers. You see your, your gifted you know, fourth quarterbacks. You see your highly gifted receivers that make those contested, contested catches because now... After 10 weeks of putting tape, you know, out there, 
people are going to play you at their best level. People are going to look at you differently than they looked at you week two. Like these rookie receivers and running backs and linebackers and corners and all that. Rookies, you're going to be treated a lot differently. Because if I'm a veteran quarterback, I'm going to be picking on that rookie corner as much as I can. But now, going into week 12, if that rookie corner has eight interceptions, almost a pick a game, I'm not picking on him that much no more. I'm like, okay, well, he's got a good room. He's stepped up tremendously. (laughs) And um, I'll try to move away from him because, you know, interceptions, when, when you start getting two, three games in a row, now you have that vision. You're like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to get one today. And then the first few games, you probably weren't like that. You're like, I'm just going to try to set my feet, do what I can do, you know, backpedal. Anytime that I see him break, I'm going to try to jump the ball, but I- I'm just looking for a pass breakup. But when you start getting that that ball hockey mentality, now you have that comfortability to be like, I've been playing well, just playing on me. Now I don't have to overthink. That is such a big thing when it comes to football. When you don't have to think, you don't have to think about schemes, disguises, uh, reading the quarterback's eyes. What are the motions? What are the if you have game plan and study film and you understand your own scheme, you don't have to do that second guessing. Then you could play fast, you could play naturally, you can be you on the field. That is the most special part of being a part of football. Because I can tell you the reason why I had to move from <laughs> middle linebacker to tight end is because I was thinking way too much on the field. And as the middle, you, you're you getting the plays. You're calling them to the defense. You're you're reading the quarterback. You're adjusting the audibles. You're telling your, your secondary. You know, all these things. Pull up, pull back, shade over. Okay, we're, we're in a cover three. They're about to run. Hey, Come down, stop the run, shade left, shade left. All these things as a middle linebacker, as a tight end. Oh, so you mean to tell me I just need to understand my offense, understand how to read defense, which previously I I was calling. And then I need to run block, shed, shed block, or run a route. Oh, let's go. Like, I didn't have to think anymore. And that is a special, special place to be um, in football. Or as they say, you're no longer chopping feet. That's what you do when you think on the football field. You're chopping your feet and you're not even fucking going anywhere. You're just doing useless work. Um, And as another thing, before I moved to middle linebacker, I played defensive tackle. That was probably my worst play in football. I was just either getting pancaked or motherfucking just. (laughs) I was not that big at that time. So facing tremendously bigger athletes was a shit show. I remember one time <laughs> I thought I made the play. So I, in my head, this is, this is how crazy football is. In my head, I'm sitting there. I hear the ball snap. I thought I swam through the offensive line and tackled the running back in the backfield. That's what I thought in my head. And I got up and I was jacked. I turned around, I saw my teammate who was, uh, I want to say, a defensive end. I saw my teammate on 
the left side of the field celebrating with, you know, the secondary. And they're like patting him on the head and stuff. And the running back is getting up. And I'm like, who the fuck did I tackle? And it was just the offensive lineman. I guess I just went in and just straight tackled him. And I thought it was the running back. Uh, But that's how fast football is. And that was another, I just, I was not fit for that position. I was put in that position. I was not fit for it at all. Um, But hilarious. But anyways, back to the NFL, because I didn't play in that. Uh, This is that time where you see your your primetime players start to click through. Your clutch players start to click through. Tonight's game will be a very telling of two stories on who was a high ceiling in the beginning of this of this season and who's actually going to come in in the second half and be be that that clutch team that team that could go into the playoffs and make some noise so tonight we're seeing cardinals and seahawks uh, this is going to be a good game this is part 2 uh russell wilson kyler murray kyler murray came on top last time uh due to a last second drive uh kyler murray seems to have continue to have this this clutch gene in them uh that's really dope i remember when i saw this game before i was like oh you know this is just a little knock on russell but you know it is what it is but i think now that kyler has seen this defense also we all know that the seahawks defense is not good it's it's just not we've seen the worst quarterbacks have their best days uh, Cam Newton had a great day against the Seahawks and Cam Newton has not done anything else this year. This is, this is going to be very interesting, especially the Cardinals coming off of that emotional last second, uh, hell Mary Deandre Hopkins, just being an alien monster. This game is going to be very, very interesting. Russell Wilson's been on that downslope. Um, which, like I said, this part of the season, now you're going to see the the real the real capabilities of teams. Most of them are seeing their divisional opponents for the second time. Most of them now are playing the harder teams in there. Now there are a few teams that have a way easier schedule coming up. But once you see your divisional opponents for the second time, I'm telling you, unless you're in, <laughs> unless you're in the division with the caliber of the New York football giants and the fucking Eagles or what used to be the AFC East, but now they kind of have some dogs all around that division. You're it's very hard to sweep a team in the division. Cause one, <laughs> one, it is hard to play a divisional game in general, because these are the teams that have the most tape on you. And then second, if you win or lose, Guess what? There's going to be adjustments made as long as it's by a well-coached team. There's going to be adjustments made so that they don't win or lose that game again. That's just football. That's game planning. That's how that's supposed to work. So this one will be an interesting one. Um, I do think the Cardinals pull this off. Uh, The Seahawks defense is not good. Um, And the Cardinals offense have been showing that they are multidimensional. And Kyler Murray is showing that moments are not too big for him. And that's a, a gigantic weapon. Once you can show that those moments, like the one that we just saw this past Sunday, 
it's it's a gigantic move. And the short the short week doesn't bother them because it's a divisional opponent. Like normally, if you have a short week against, say, if the Cardinals played the Chiefs in this this coming week, you know, out, outside of division, outside of conference, like all that kind of stuff, brand new team, someone that we haven't seen before, it would be a much bigger deal. But you're playing a divisional opponent on a short week. You have film from pre, during, and you have film from when you played them. That helps out tremendously. Not saying a short week is great by any means, but it helps out tremendously in that aspect. So I think the Cardinals win on this one. I think Russell does not play a terrible game. Um, I do think he continues this interception streak that's been going on. Um, there is something in his vision. There is something that he's not trusting, and it's making it very uncomfortable to watch him playing as offense right now because Russ is making decisions that aren't typical Russell Wilson decisions. It's very odd. I'm not saying that he's hurt or that there's something like wrong with him or anything, but it just seems like he's not playing his kind of football. It's very odd. So let's get to the one o'clock games. Steelers Jags. Once again, I don't believe in the term of trap games. Um, Also, this being a one o'clock game, Steelers Jaguars. Jaguars decided to be a little pesky this past week, but this is another game where Steelers, and I've, I've told you week after week, you haven't played anybody. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. As much as I try to make it seem like these teams that either have very terrible front offices or very terrible play at quarterback or very terrible defenses, as much as I try to be like, oh, they have a chance to trap the Steelers. Oh, they have a chance if the Steelers, you know, stop fumble fucking and not playing until halfway through the game. They have a chance. Look, just stop. Like, they're not. Neither of these teams are good, but the Steelers are a better shade of not being that good. Uh, Big Ben still not playing at Big Ben level. Then again, people are saying we don't need number seven to play that level because we went eight and eight with a clusterfuck of a round robin of quarterbacks with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph and all that that went on, which is true. If you go 500, with third, third, fourth string, second, third string, whatever, quarterbacks, of course, when you get your guy back, you should be better. We'll see how this works. Um, but I do believe um, wholeheartedly that the Steelers will win this game. Um, and that that should be that. It should be very easy in that situation. Uh, Lions-Panthers. These are two teams that oddly are in the same bracket for me, but I see the Panthers as a much stronger team. Because <laughs> they 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 are both odd bunches. They really are. Like the Lions are 4 and 5, the Panthers are 3 and 7, and they both at times play way better than their record. Both of them. 
Um, and that is on every side of the ball. But then they also give up so much on the other side of the ball. Sometimes their defense just stops playing. Other times their offense just can't get it together. Um, it's very odd. I don't really know which way this game will go because I don't know if the the Lions are going to do what they normally do and give up leads or if the Panthers just offensively can't get it together all the way and they don't have a lead to, I don't know. It is a lot. It is a lot. Yeah, it's sad. Uh, Next one, also in that same vein, uh, Patriots, Texans, but the Texans are not good. We, we don't even have to think about that. Uh, I wish someone will. Matter of fact, if Deshaun Watson is not a Patriot by next year, I will be so insulted because if y'all can't get this man out of this fire truck of an organization, like, I, I like, come on, like, Belichick, I, I get it. You don't want to pay anybody. Um, I don't believe you'll do any kind of trade-ups or trade packages to get Trevor Lawrence I, I, or Justin Fields. I just don't see it. Um, it's obvious that you're still trying to win games, so you're not even going to be uh, in the top three picks anyways. But come on. like Someone has to get Deshaun Watson out of Houston. I have to. He's too good of an athlete. He's too good of a throw of the football, a runner of the football. He He's so damn smart. If you haven't watched uh, the several YouTube videos of him breaking down defenses, he is so damn smart. Matter of fact, he did, he did a uh, breakdown <laughs> at a post-interview after a game and recalled the exact play. And he was just right there like, mm, I saw that the cornerback was flat-footed, so I knew that they were doing cover three, but it could it could have been cover two man because they could have shaded down one and had the two safety split up. Like, he just broke down the whole thing. If someone doesn't get him out of Houston, I'm going to be tremendously upset. He is too good to be in that f- fucking flaming trash can of an organization because now the Texans just don't know what to do. They don't. And at this point, someone needs to call them and be like, look, you got rid of D hop. You obviously have no identity on what your team should be. I'm going to send you a few picks and maybe an athlete. Just swing, just, just swing them over here please. Uh, Patriots win this game, obviously, but that was the biggest point that I wanted to get across. Titans, Ravens, who knows? You know, usually I say who fucking cares, but who knows? Once again, both of these teams very up and down. I believe the most playoff bound team, I mean, they're both going to be in the playoffs, but the most playoff bound that can make some noise is the Titans. Come on, Derrick Henry. Fucking Ryan Tannehill doesn't have to do anything. Because once that run game is going, it's very similar to Kirk Cousins. That play action game is so 
dangerous because you you load the box with people that can headhunt and hoping they can get Derrick Henry. It doesn't really happen a lot. Derrick Henry embarrasses grown ass men all the time. Embarrasses. I saw <laughs> we've seen grown men get stepped arm out the screen. But the Ravens have dogs on defense. Do I believe the Ravens will beat the Titans? Absolutely not. Because the Ravens have not put together anything that I like on offense. Anything. Their coaching scheme makes no sense to me. Lamar Jackson, his decision-making makes no sense to me. Um... Their routes for their wide receivers make no sense to me. Because you got to think, if <laughs> if you have a team, just say hypothetically, if you have a team where your offensive scheme is built around the run, and this is not like run first, pass second type offense, it's like run first, design QB run second, Option run third, then pass. That's your offense. That's what you've built. That's the personnel that you have gone out and gotten. You've gotten very big athletic offensive linemen. You have gotten the one of the best couple uh, run blocking tight ends that happen to catch balls when needed. And then you've gone out and got maybe one or two speedy raw receivers that you can use on jet sweeps, pitches, dragging routes, if that pass is coming. Because dragging routes, I don't know if people understand, but drag routes are kind of, to me, one of the most deadliest routes on the football field. Because if you have two speedy receivers that can run a very good you know, cut and drag, you're already putting the defense at a disadvantage because you are running away from said defender that's that's playing you. You know, like a slant, if that DB is athletic enough, you have enough time to gather yourself and break on the slant. On a drag, you're usually running right through traffic, through everybody. And if they're fast enough, they can break away and don't let it be man. Drag routes are one of those man beaters, one of those man beater routes where if you have the speed, a drag route will take you into open field and you are gone, especially if it's schemed correctly. If they call your number, say I'm number 10. I'm the wide receiver. Coach calls my, this play is for me to get me open. It's third and five. I'm lined up. I know my drag is coming. Maybe it's a three-by-one set. So you got three receivers on one side, one on the other. I'm the one. I'm number 10. Those three, if schemed correctly, especially if we see that it's man, those three are schemed out to get me open. So say maybe you're inside is running another drag. Then your middle is running a go or a slant. 
And then your outside is going to run a curl or a maybe a sluggo, something like that. A sluggo is, if those that don't know, is a slant and go. So you break off, you cut like you're going to go for the slant, and then you cut back and you scream upfield. So with that being said, if it's me, your DBs are going to be chasing those routes. As you break into this drag, and now you are ahead of your DB, and all of your other receivers has chased everyone else downfield or across the field. That's that's a 15 to 20 yard game. That's that's foot that's easy football. The Ravens have decided they don't want to play easy football. They have put together this scheme of run, run, run. Personnel for run, run, run. And then they fucking forgot who's on their team. That's just bad play calling. You have a fourth, fourth and short yardage. And you have in the rain. You have a fourth and short yardage in the rain against one of the greatest coaches of all time. And you have Mark Ingram in the in, in the fucking wildcat. What are y'all doing? Shit don't make no sense. Now, granted, I don't give a fuck. I love, I love, especially after Ravens fans all of a sudden just materialized this Ravens-Chiefs rivalry. I, I don't know how. You haven't beat us. You're starting to sound like the damn Raiders. But since they just made that shit up, now I just look at the Ravens to fall apart. And that's what they've done with their terrible offensive scheme. Continually to put all-stars on the defensive side of the ball, but have done nothing to help them. I like Marcus Peters. I like Calais Campbell. I like uh, Judon. I I like Patrick Queen. I I like what they have. But the... (laughs) Everyone upstairs and everyone involved and all that is just not doing good. Just not. So the Titans are going to beat the Ravens. Eagles, Browns. Eagles. I felt like Tuesday when when I talked to you, I felt like I was a little, a little harsh. And and the only reason why I say this is because check this out. Eagles fans, you you are three, five, and one. <laughs> See, I can't I can't even I can't even go through it without laughing. Three, five, and one. And you have the nerve to still speak playoffs. Because you can. How disgusting is that? How disgusting is that? You have fan bases and teams and all that with six, seven wins. In week 11, still trying to scratch and claw and make sure, even with this playoff, this potential playoff scene being extended twice to 16 teams, they're still scratching to make sure they can make it. And this ugly fucking division might be able to skate in with six wins. You got to be fucking kidding me. 
Cleveland Browns, I got a message for you. And I, I don't even talk. I don't even talk to the Browns. I don't talk to the Browns fandom at all. Matter of fact, the only thing about the Browns that I shout out and talk about is Kareem Hunt. But Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Miles Garrett, and all them ugly motherfuckers in Cleveland. I have one thing for you to do. Beat the motherfucking brakes off the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't want them to smell victory. I don't want them to look at it. I don't want none of that shit. And you know what pains me the most? My homeboy, my my brother in arms, half of the Libra bros murder one as a Philadelphia Eagles fan for life. I messaged him immediately when they won the Super Bowl. Screaming, hollering, not even understanding what it would feel like to win a ring in your lifetime. I was happy for him. And then this team just went a shit all over that. Cleveland Browns speaking of shit, shit all over him. And do it in the ode of Odell Beckham. <laughs> Oh shit, speaking of that, we going <laughs> We are going to go to a break. Oh. Who? Uh we're going to go to our break. Um and then after that, I have a surprise sale that is going on with uh my crew at Total Sports Kansas City. Um and then we are going to finish breaking down the schedule, uh talking some shit and then, you know, We'll, we'll we'll just see what's going on. So with that being said, on the other side of this break, we'll do that. Um, if anybody wants to call in, I'll open up call-ins because fuck it, why not? Um, and we're we're gonna roll into this.
Welcome back. I got some business to take care of. Have you all ever wanted some signed merchandise, signed jerseys, signed helmets, signed footballs, signed pitches? I got a place for you, especially if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Go to Total Sports Enterprises Kansas City. You can find them online. You can find them on Twitter. Right now on sale is Bashad Breland signed jersey. Yes, Breezy. For $69. Hold on, hold on. Let me let me let me check this. Let me make sure this is correct. Because I I'm, I must be tripping on something. Let me go to Total Sports Kansas City. TSE Kansas City. Bashad Breland autographed jerseys for $69 crazy so once again total sports enterprise kansas city get all your sign merch all your sign helmets jerseys and show them some love if you like that beat it was produced by me i, I told this whole story in the first hour so i'm not gonna go back to it but um yeah, for now on, all music that will be, uh, and, and it started maybe last week, but all music that will be a part of the show will either be produced um, or made by me or my fellow friends that are around me. Uh, so any friends that watch the show and want any music spot, just let me know. I'm going to throw it in the music catalog and I'm all, it's, look, this is going to sound really shitty, but it's literally just going to be for my crew and my friends that are around me because I I'm a big big guy on bringing my my family up with me. So as this show continues to grow, um you know, I want to be able to shine light on the talents that are around me as well. I have people in music, I have people in dance, I have people in uh you know, all kinds of creative aspects. Uh so if you have a clothing line, product, anything like that, uh music, whatever, uh, send it to me uh, via Instagram or Twitter, and I will make sure that it's up here. And you know, we can cross cross promote and continue to bring the family up. That's that's who I've always been, and that's who I will continue to be. So, getting back to NFL football, uh, because that is our talk of the town. <laughs> um, let's jump back into where we were on the schedule. Uh, just got done talking about Eagles Browns. Um, and now we will move to Falcon Saints, which usually this game has a little more steam on it. You know, divisional opponent, uh, Falcons fans, hate Saints fans, Saints fans, hate Falcons fans. It's, it was always such, such entertainment for me, especially living in Atlanta. Um, because they usually split games, but you you just never know. Um, and this year, it just looks like uh, no. Come on. Uh, the Saints are going to win this one. Um, and I don't really have too much else to say about it. I have been on my Matt Ryanish trash run several times. I'm also, everyone knows, not a big fan of Drew Brees. But Drew Brees will not be playing. You know who's going to be playing. Mr. All the fucking crab legs, man. Let's talk about Jameis Winston real quick. So, Jameis, Mr. Crab Legs, 
<laughs> he could throw the motherfucking rock. See, now this is gonna be this is gonna be one of those situations where coaching is gonna be key because the Saints offense is schemed very much for the run and for underneath throws. And of course, that has been tailored for Drew Brees. That is just how it goes. If you notice, every time a deep shot, and I mean a deep shot, not 20 yards, anytime a 20-plus yard deep shot is drawn up, Taysom Hill goes into the game as the quarterback. Any other time, Taysom Hill will come in as a run blocker, the runner, um, a wide receiver, at tight end, whatever it may be, special teams, whatever. But when a true deep shot is drawn up, Taysom Hill is in the game, which is why Taysom Hill hasn't done that well in those deep shot scenarios because the defense sees him at quarterback, and it's one of two things. It's either a quarterback-designed run or it's a deep passing play. It's that easy. So. This this offense that will be going against the Falcons, if coached correctly, will be very different from the Saints' week-to-week offensive scheme because James Winston can throw the rock. Now, we learned this offseason that he went through LASIK, and supposedly he was basically playing these past few seasons blind, which is why he threw for 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions, I'm going to assume. Also, he was in Bruce Arians' offense, which leads you to throw more interceptions because one, you're throwing a lot more. And then two, because he has a lot of design wide receiver routes that take a while to develop, which leads your quarterback in the pocket more, which leads the chance of throwing out of sacks or balls being tipped or things of that nature, which ends up leading into interceptions. So there's a lot of things that didn't really go that well in Jameis Winston's favor, but he still threw for 30 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. (laughs) It's fucking crazy. Now he can see. He's eating some dubs again. And he's going against a team that is just not that good. Jameis Winston could see a multiple touchdown day, 250 yards plus, and could beat the Falcons very convincingly. I don't believe this will be another... I don't believe this will be another uh, situation where the Saints do a shared quarterback uh, scenario where Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston are kind of going back and forth. I don't believe it'll be a game like that. I just believe Jameis Winston's the starting quarterback. Uh, Taysom Hill will come in on his trick plays whenever he decides, whenever they decide to, and that'll be it. But I just think that what they have as far as continuity and who could very well be a MVP candidate in Alvin Kamara, it's it's just going to be too much for the Falcons. Uh, Dirty birds, sorry. Shit. Y'all been dusty for a while. And this year, has been a motherfucking... There's been a magnifying glass on how sorry y'all are. Just letting you know. Just in case you didn't know. Uh, Bengals, Washington. It's just another one of those games, you know, where it's like, who's 
who's going to lose it first. Uh, <laughs> um, I Trust me, I want to dive everything I have into when Alex Smith plays a game. I want him to win. Uh, but also, if you've followed this entire time, I also want Joe Burrow to succeed as well. Uh, but both of both of these teams are just not good. But I think Washington wins it, and this is this is the only reason why. Joe Burrow is the first, if not second, most sacked quarterback in the entire league. Uh, the Washington defense defensive front is fucking monstrous when they're on. Uh, they can go after the quarterback. They can disrupt the quarterback. Um, like their front seven can can move you know Ryan Kerrigan Chase Young um Montez Sweat they they got dogs on that defensive side of the ball and if they can continue to disrupt Joe Burrow this is going to be easy game for Alex Smith to come in dot some people up move move down the field get into the red zone score some points that's what it should be who fucking knows how it's going to go because these teams I don't know I really don't uh Jets Chargers two teams playing against each other that are trying to lose and I know everyone knows that the Jets are trying to lose but the Chargers you can there's no there's no way now that you can convince me they're not trying to lose well, fucking how how are you doing this consistently how are you doing this you made joe burrow you made see i can't even fucking think right you made justin herbert shave that flowy damn head and shoulders garnet fruitis ass hair you made this motherfucker look like a columbine shooter that is wow and my man was still out there slinging a rock, doing his thing. Like, he's the only one that hasn't been playing bad. And now he looks like he is going through the motherfucking worst. You, <laughs> you can't lose this many games close. What did, what did I say last episode? I said losing this many games close, that many heartbreakers, will really tell you about a team. And this boy goes and cuts. Like, that's... Okay. For for those that don't understand sports on a grander scale, anything that you do is, you know, magnified by a thousand. And when it comes to changing your image, it's magnified by a thousand. Uh, this is with game day outfits. This is with hair coloring or hair cutting. This is with growing a mustache or shaving a mustache. Like, just wait. Just, just think if this was the Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick was still playing, but they were losing, and he shaved his beard. The fucking football world would be on fire talking about this man's facial hair. Now you go, you know, several heartbreak games, close, but no cigar, and you cut who has what has become your identity in your hair, and you look like the fucking yeah dude, like type surfer kid. You're in LA. You're with the Chargers. They got these new uniforms. They feel like they're cold, but they're not winning games. And all of a sudden, skiing. 
hair is gone. You walked into the barbershop and you were like, yo, I'm stressed. Just, just fuck it up. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> it was, it was like, he came in and he was like, Hey man, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do the number 70. And he's like, we only got 30 cuts. What you mean? Number 70. Oh, well, just give me the stressed out. And that's what the fuck you got. It's rough. Now, who knows? What if Air Bear without hair is cold? <laughs> who knows? What if that boy come out and throw 500 yards and four TDs? I, who, I mean, it is against the Jets. But is Joe Flacco going to have something to say about that? Mr. D. You know, he said he was an elite quarterback. The only thing elite about him is them Nike socks. But it's is Joe Flacco going to have something to say about that? Who knows? Who knows? Joe Flacco was going to beat the Patriots. And then his helmet started going off. And they said, hey, yo, motherfucker, it's time for us to lose this game. Chill out. So so you had to do what you had to do. You know, just throw a wide open pick for no exact reason at all. But I will pick. Hey, I'm going to pick the Jets to win this game. (laughs) Hey, I I told y'all so many times I vote for chaos, but also, also check this out. (laughs) The Chargers have done nothing so far to let me know that they can get out of the hole when they need to. And if Joe Flacco does what he did against the Patriots, it may be <laughs> it may be just deep enough of a hole for them to not get out of. Um uh, the next game, Dolphins Broncos. Of uh, hopefully this is one of the uh, most most that that was going to be shitty phrasing all the way around. Hopefully, this is one of the better broadcasted games as far as uh, the length of the broadcast uh, because I think everyone needs a good look at Tua right now. Tua is doing something. When it comes to coaching schemes, like I was talking about earlier, um, Tua and Brian Flores is doing very, very good when it comes to that because they get to really take advantage of the fact that one, Tua can move, Tua can throw, uh, Tua is very accurate, and also Tua is left-handed, which means they they are taking advantage of regular quarterback motion to what would be off-balance throws if you were right-handed. But they can pull it off because Tua is left-handed and can throw across his body, which makes it a very... Very difficult thing to naturally defend because list right now how many left-handed quarterbacks are in the league right now. One. And it makes me so happy because I'm left-handed. <laughs> so it's very cool to see. Uh, not not cool to see, but I can appreciate um, left-handed athletes a lot, especially in the fact that you you have to change a lot of motions if you're not that left-handed quarterback. Uh, handoffs are different. Um, now, I have seen quarterbacks throw with their left hand that aren't right, uh, that are right dominant, which is also very impressive. Uh, but 
I think the Dolphins just run away with this one. Um, I think this is a really good ego game for Tua. I think this is a really good ego game for their defense, uh, especially if Drew Lock Drew Lock right now is hurt. Especially if Drew Lock does not play, uh, then this will just be a runaway game for the Dolphins. They are one of the teams that I'm looking at right now going in the into this time. Like I said, that is like prime time. This is when the lights come on. This is when you play your best football. The Dolphins have been starting to play complete games. Um, and one dude tried to jump on me on Twitter a few days ago and talk about how I didn't say the Dolphins could make it to the playoffs. I said that in like episode fucking four or something like that. Um, he was like, check your stats. Uh, they were not that good. Blah, blah blah. I was like, no, they were winning with Fitzpatrick. So maybe you need to check your stats. They're just winning better now. They're playing better football, not just at the quarterback position, but everywhere. Uh, the defense has come alive, which you would expect from Brian Brian Flores. But defense is coming alive. Special teams is coming alive. And now they have this undrafted <laughs> rookie uh, at running back who is averaging five, if not 5.1 yards per carry. That's a big deal. And um, I think that should be – that should be more – uh, in the media outlet, but it's good on them because no one's talking about it right now. No one is pressing them about it right now. And he can just continue to fly or slash run under the radar and it'd be all good. So, yeah, I think the, the Dolphins just, they don't even have to take it from the Broncos. They can just fucking run away with it and that'd be it. Uh, whew. I feel like this this week is just so so heavy with a, a lot of games that I've talked more than, than most, you know, usually halfway through the schedule. I'm like this game trash, these teams trash. But like I said, going into this part of the year, you can talk more about these teams. Cause one, we know more about them, but two, we're about to find out even more about them in these literally, I'm telling you these next three, this next three to four weeks is so important. Like I said, you're seeing, most most teams are seeing their divisional uh, opponents twice in this time, for the second time this time. Uh, most teams are recovering from said injuries or lost players or, you know, maybe roster things that have gone in and out, all those kind of things. And now we're about to see who they really are. And that is that is very important in this time. You know who doesn't need that time for us to know who they are? The fucking Cowboys. Guys, we know who they are. We know how bad they are. We know that there's nothing that is going to just make us look at them seriously for anything. Even if they somehow just skate through these next few games, win a couple, and then somehow take the division, stop. Just stop it. The Cowboys are not America's team anymore. They're not even fucking Texas's team anymore. That, that's how shitty that is. They they lead the league in turnovers because the Cowboys Zeke just keeps dropping the ball. The Cowboys have no idea what to, to game plan wise offensively. They've had this quarterback carousel since Dak Prescott got hurt, and the one quarterback that actually catches steam, you decide to say, mm, "Fuck it, Andy Dalton's healthy, put him back in." What are you doing? Gary Gilbert took this team to 
what could have been a gigantic upset win against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if there was any fan base that would just been hilarious to see beat the Steelers, it would have been the Cowboys. Now, you know, if Mike McCarthy had a, a little more of a nutsack and would have went for it on fourth or, you know, any other thing, then they could have won that game. But they didn't, and that's just what it was. But the Cowboys going against the Vikings, the Vikings that, you know, just, just fucking remembered that they have Dalvin Cook. And, you know, now after a few games, Dalvin Cook is back on his bullshit, uh, cooking more than Russell Wilson. So I don't know if it's R- R- Cook, Russ Cook, or if it's motherfucking Dalvin Cook that hoe, but they cooking that hoe. And the Cowboys are so bad at defending the run. So bad. So it's it's going to be business per usual. The Cowboys, for some reason, at a late late time slot, four twenty five, and are going to lose against the Vikings because they can't stop the run, and they're going to overcommit to stop Dalvin Cook. And then guess what? Play action. Kirk Cousins is going to look, you know, okay. I guess you know Kirk Cousins is still a bum, but he's going to look good when Dalvin Cook goes all for. 125 yards in the first half. Like, come on. Uh, Packers, Colts. Uh, Packers going against a, a very stout defense. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers have, has kind of taken advantage of the fact that he's not played very good defenses at all. The best defense that he played was the 49ers, and they've been riddled with so many injuries. That defense isn't even really that defense. Uh, so I will say Aaron Rodgers is kind of, you know, just coasted. Um, the best true defense he's played was the Buccaneers, and they gave him hell. So that'll be a very interesting one to watch. Um, very interesting to see what what they do against this Colts defense. But I will say, if the Colts offense can't, you know, consistently keep it together. <sighs> You know, Aaron Rodgers can play on one foot and outduel damn Phillip Rivers. So I don't know. I, I think they need to get it together. I think they need to uh, realize that, you know, the Colts have a running game. The Colts can, you know, have a really good screen game. Phillip Rivers just needs to not turn over the ball. Uh, but also, the Packers defense hasn't been too oppor- opportunistic lately. So who knows? We're going to learn a lot about them right now. We really are. Um, I'm going to skip Sunday night and go to Monday night first. <laughs> uh, Monday night football, Rams and Buccaneers. This is actually one of the first primetime games I'm excited to watch. Uh, mainly because uh, Jared Goff is a very capable quarterback. Overpaid, yes, but very capable quarterback. Uh, this Rams team is starting to pull together to be the Rams team that we, well, I mean, part of what we thought it was going to be. Uh, but they they are a good team. Um, of course, you can't shy away from their defense because Aaron Donald is consistently a monster all the time. And, I mean, the Buccaneers are still who I think they are. Overrated, <laughs> good on paper, 
the last game was just like, who? Look, you just remembered you have Rojo. Just remembered. And Rojo just started spitting off. Spitting off. Like, come on. You're, you're, and it's funny because now you're like, damn, did we really need Leonard Fournette? Did, did we really need Shady McCoy? Like, we probably could just have one of them. Rojo's pretty good. Also, when we scheme up everything correctly and everyone is playing the pass, you know, you know, running the ball at that time is also a pretty good idea. But, you know, Bruce Arians is not a big fan of running the ball. Uh, but you're going to have to look at that motherfucking Aaron Donald um, and then the rest of that defense. Um, Jalen Ramsey is going to be looking the entire day to take the ball away from Tom Brady. So it, that's going to be a very interesting one to watch. I would love if the Rams beat the Buccaneers primetime. I would love that. I don't know if they have the juice to do it, though. Um, but I would love to see that happen. Now, to get to Sunday, Sunday night football, the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Las Vegas Raiders. As of right now, this game is so far up in the air, it is ridiculous because 60% of the Kansas City offensive line is on the COVID reserve list right now due to close contact tracing. So no positives. There is one positive, but not in this offensive line speak. So that's very interesting. But also, like 80% of (laughs) the Vegas defense is on the COVID-19 list. Now, this is my thought on it before I dive into like the nitty gritty. I want everyone, besides ones that have tested positive, I want everyone to be healthy, test negative throughout the week, come in and be cool. Because I don't want any excuses on why this game could go the other way. And I mean on both ways. I don't want us to lose this game and we be like, Oh, well, you know, our offensive line was out. It doesn't really matter, blah, blah, blah. Of course we couldn't win. I also don't want, on the other hand, of, you know, Vegas being like, our whole defense was out. No wonder Mahomes threw for 600 yards. I don't want none of that. I want everybody being there healthy so that we could play this game and finally get this shit over with. Now, we did have a positive test in Miko Hartman so far. Um, and every uh, practice presser that has come up, every media day, uh, coach hasn't really given much about uh, when Miko could come back. Um, he just continues to say that he's doing well, he's feeling healthy, he's ready to get back. But due to all the protocols and all that, like we just we just have to wait. Um, he also hasn't given too much about um, Eric Fisher, Martinez, Rankins, uh, who were on the COVID-19 lens offensive lineman, and then also Mitchell Schwartz, um, who was also <laughs> there as well. He hasn't given too much of that. He's just said that they haven't practiced because, you know, they have to follow the protocols. But that's a big deal. Um, I mean, that's three, three starting offensive linemen that um, could or could not be in the game. But listening to... Uh, Travis Kelsey's interviews that he, you know, he was on a media run this week, listening to 
uh, Mahomes in the media room, listening to Clyde, listening to uh, Coach, uh, all, all of the media days, everyone is a little irritated. And it's very interesting because, you know, watching these media interviews, you never know what happens throughout the day before they get to media. So you don't know if that's what's adjusted their mood. But usually it's very happy-go-lucky, even with Coach. Um, very positive mindset. Uh, coach opens up the same way every every interview um, and all these kind of things. And in the media room, it just seemed like everyone was a little irritated, even Clyde. Clyde is a very, like, I mean, he's a rookie, so he there's not too much that affects him that's like storied history. But every time that they brought up a question, it was just, especially Pat. Pat was like, uh, he was asked, you know, how do you, how do you feel about playing the Raiders for the second time? What did you learn about yourself? Things of that nature. And even Pat was like, Patrick, sorry. I don't don't want his mom to somehow hear this podcast and start raining fire on me. But even, even he was like, you know, if you lose a football game and you get to play that opponent twice and you don't want to win, you're in the wrong profession. That's not a Mahomes answer. Usually it's, you know, you got a chance to go out and win another game and, you know, something, you know, happy and upbringing. Everyone kind of had this little irritation, which I like. <laughs> it, it's been a while. It's been a while since um, we've lost a game, to be honest. I mean, think about this. It's been, (laughs) we've lost one game in over a year. One game. Like, come on. The the new Chiefs fans now, I think, are the ones that are pushing this narrative about how uh, they have nightmares every game and this and that and blah, 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 because they don't know what it's like to lose all the time. Fans like me and fans that are older than me and have watched Chiefs football longer than me, I think we've kind of finally sh- scraped the scabs of, you know, dropping the ball on weak teams or, you know, those that have gone through the true Raider rivalry weeks. They... They've gotten over this, especially when you see in the past five years, what is, what is, what have the Raiders done to us? (laughs) Like, and it's funny because I remember when Tyreek became a prime time unit for us, it was against the Raiders. Man, oh man. I don't pick games that involve my team. I just talk about it. So I have no uh, winner or loser for this one. I also have no score predictions or anything like that. I just say, uh, I will say the same thing that I said on Tuesday. If there was ever a time that you wanted to jump ship from your team (laughs) um, and you were thinking about joining Chiefs Kingdom, put on something red, sit down and watch Sunday Night Football. And just be ready. Because I have not seen this team irritated 
in over a year. I don't I don't know if that's that justifies how crazy this is. This team is eight and one, and they haven't played a lockdown serious game yet. It's very similar to what Mike Tomlin said about the Steelers. And I give him so much credit on this quote. He said, our record may be undefeated. Our record may be perfect. But we have played nowhere close to a perfect game. And boy, he is motherfucking right. You know, Mike Tomlin is kind of on the same train of Bill Belichick where a lot of their interviews are kind of short, cut, straight to the point. There's there's not a lot of things or details you get out of either of them. But that right there may have been the most winning-ass line. We may have a perfect record, but we haven't played a perfect game. Boy, oh boy. You don't get no better than that. The Chiefs haven't even played a motivated, pissed-off game yet. The closest thing they had to it was playing the Ravens. And that's only because the media and outside players and all that made so much of a stir of it where I, you know, they say the media doesn't really touch the locker room. The locker room can be its own safe haven. They can talk and do whatever they want. No, 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 no. I trust me. It gets there. And it being another primetime game to be able to prove to everyone, oh, this is why you don't put the Steelers above us. Oh, this is why you don't say the Raiders can take the West. Oh, this is why the Super Bowl hangover is hitting the 49ers and not us. This is why you can't say that any other tight end is better than Travis Kelsey. This is why you need to put Tyreek Hill in the top wide receiver conversation. And this is why... Patrick Mahomes is the only viable option for MVP. It's all going to be on the field Sunday night. What a day, what a time. But with that being said, I think that's I think that's the episode. I think that's it. That sounded like a really good ending. Like I was kind of on a roll there, and I, I feel like that's kind of the pinnacle of it. Uh, so... <laughs> With that being said, if you're not following, follow. Uh, If you know someone that's not following, hey, be a friend, tell a friend. Uh, Tell them to follow the podcast. I don't look, I'm going to be honest. I don't care if you make a Podbean account just to follow me and you never get on this bitch. I'm going to be so honest with you. I don't even care. Uh, But it would show uh, massive amounts of support if you do so. Um, once again, shout out to Total Sports Enterprises, Kansas City. Um, stupid deals right now. Stupid deals. Uh, also, a little matter of fact, we're not going to end it just yet, but a little gaming update. Um, I'm about halfway through Spider-Man Miles Morales. The game is fucking incredible. Um, even though it's in the same universe as the OG Spider-Man that was on PS4, it is just so refreshing. It doesn't feel like it's a like a number two, like a sequel game. It doesn't feel like Spider-Man 2, Miles Morales. No, it feels like its own game. From Down to the soundtrack, to the uh, movement and player uh, player movement, 
to the fighting system that is what it, it feels like. Okay, this is the weirdest thing to explain <clears throat> because it is the same combat system. It is. There's there's very little things that are different, but the little things that are different, especially, and I can't speak to next-gen graphics because I'm playing it on PS4. Matter of fact, I'm playing it on regular PS4. It's not even on PS4 Pro. But it, it's just stupid how immersive and how fluid this game is. Yeah, the even watching other gameplay is is it's it's so dumb and it's so hard to explain because everything that's great about this game, like if you were to put the comparisons of Spider-Man PS4 and then Spider-Man Miles Morales, you were to put all of the pros together, they would look like they're the exact same game. But it's just taking what was already very great and just tuning it here or there. I can only imagine how it looks, how it feels, how it plays on PS5. I'm sure it's straight dummy. Because as much as I love watching YouTube gameplay videos and stuff like that, like that doesn't justify how how it feels and how drawn in you can get. I remember when... No, I, I can't even talk about it. I'm not going to spoil parts of the game for anyone that hasn't played. So I'm not going to get into it. But it it is a very immersive game. I've had to slow myself down from just running through it because I don't have a lot of games right now that have uh, you know, very long story modes. And I know that this story mode is not that long. Um, so as I'm going through it, I'm going through all of the extra stuff, getting all of the collectibles and all those things that I can get. Um, but with me slowing down, I've also started another game and that is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And I've mentioned before, I've not played a serious Assassin's Creed game since Black Flag. Um, ever since then, I felt like the storyline started to spread itself too thin. And it wasn't the game that I was, uh, that I got invested to with the very first Assassin's Creed. Um, did I pick up the rest of the games and start playing them through till this one? Absolutely not. I just, <laughs> just started playing Valhalla and that was it. This game is good. Now, granted, I'm in the very uh, beginning stages. Um, I've logged maybe about two hours in. Um, I'm at like power level seven or something like that. Um, <clears throat> haven't done too much outside of the like main city that you get to, but as far as, so the graphics for the PS4 version are not as mind blowing as Spider-Man. I can definitely say that you can definitely feel that it is a, a current gen version of the game. I'm not really sure how the PS5 version uh, looks, but you can tell that it is. Like, this could have came out eight months ago, and I would have been like, yeah, this is a PS4 game. With Spider-Man, I play it, and I'm like, oh, if this is how it looks here, like, pff, wow. Um, what time frame is the new ACT? So with it being Valhalla, it is in the Norse uh, timeline. Um, so there's a lot of Nordic things that go on. You hear everything from... Uh, you know, Nordic songs while you're sailing on your ship um, and all of it, it's, it's a, it's a very dope thing. 
uh, Cody, we both have a friend that would enjoy this game a lot. Um, and they've done very good in the Norse theme and how things go, everything from the hair designs to the, the rooms and, and visuals and all that. It is very good. I'm, I'm just saying it is not that mind blowing visual experience that I got from Spider-Man. Now I could be very early in the game. Um, and that could say a lot. So I'm going to continue playing that. I'm going to get full game reviews on both of these. Um, and then I'm going to do some reviews on 2K. And <clears throat> man, I feel like I've said this a lot. So this will probably be the last time I mention it until I drop them. Uh, 2K has gone under fire in the past mm, week or so. Just because 2K next, next gen um, has become very unplayable. Uh, the city is a very good concept. The affiliations is a very good concept that they reprise from, I'm going to say 2K16 or 17, one of those. Uh, but <laughs> in this massive city, which if you're a 2K fan, you've you've seen the videos. In this massive city, they have a lobby that only holds 100 people. So what happens when you have a giant city with Four four courts in each affiliation part of the city. Um, well, you know, most of those courts are threes courts, so it takes six to play. Then you have three that are going to be waiting. Well, six that will be waiting on each side. So that's already 12 people. Um, okay, 12 times four is 48. So, <laughs> like, you got 48 people just in one part of the affiliation. Then you got 48 at the other, 48 at the other, 48 at the other. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, 100 people ain't enough. And what's bad is that it's already super choppy and laggy and all that with 100 people in there. Now, they said that they were working on it. They said that a lot of the choppiness is due to the billboards and the advertisements that are around the city as you're playing and it trying to load that. So, of course... Uh, big gamers, big gamer reviews, 2K guys like uh, Agent and and all of them are just like add render distancing. You know, if you shade the render distancing down, it doesn't have to load and keep loading all of that. And then you can just enjoy the game. Uh, but 2K, very much like EA, uh, are very, they try. They try to be, um, you know, community friendly and try to keep in touch with the community and all that. And then they inevitably just do whatever the fuck they want. Uh, speaking of EA Madden also as well, uh, Madden dropped its next gen. Uh, they call it a gameplay next gen gameplay video. It was a fucking cinematic video. Like it was a Madden trailer. Uh, they showed small glimpses of uh, what would be the actual gameplay but it was nothing significant to make you think anything has changed in this game. Now they claimed, oh, route running is going to be more realistic. They claim that all the players will play completely different than they have on current gen and also different models because they are going to be using the RFID chips that next gen uses to use next gen stats. They're going to be using that and calling it next gen player movement, which has nothing to do with 
it being a next gen game. It is just using um, the next gen technology uh, for player movement. So they're saying that players are going to break in and out of their runs, uh, their routes differently. And there's going to be different archetypes for the running back. So you'll have like shifty light, shifty tall, then like light heavy and all this kind of stuff. Okay, great. All that bullshit sounds cool. This is going to be the same game, guys. It's going to be copy and paste, uh, redo the light filter, add some sweat. And when the wide receivers run around, just make them wobble a little more. Like, it, it's not it's not going to be anything groundbreaking. Um, we'll already have it because if you have Madden on current gen, EA has made it very well known that you will get your next gen copy for free. Um, I've told everyone that if you are buying a game on PS4 or Xbox, make sure to look to see if your game can transfer or if it can't, see if there's an upper edition where you pay 10 or $15 to make sure you snag a digital copy of your next gen uh, version of it. If you plan to get a next gen console, it's just, <laughs> it's more intelligent to do so. Um, if you don't, then you will find yourself paying 40, 60, or $70 more for the same game again. And no one wants to do that. So yeah, Madden decided to put out that video. Cool, sweet. All right, whatever. Uh, let's see when the actual gameplay comes out um, and see how it goes. I, I don't see it being any different. The only thing that I see that will be different is I saw from the video, there was a clip of your playbook and the playbook is no longer on the side anymore the playbook seemed to be down at the bottom of the screen like madden 0807 like those maddens um, also it seemed like the camera view of when you're in the huddle is no longer panning around the stadium or anything like that the camera looks like it's in the huddle with the players and you're just circling in the huddle those are the only two things out of this entire almost two minute long video that looked different. So if you're telling me I got a few different camera angles, you probably finally cleaned up the fact that there was Madden 19 and Madden 20 graphics in your game. Okay, I'll have it on next gen and I'll probably say it's trash. Just like I said, the current gen version was That's about it. Uh, also, <clears throat> Marvel's Avengers, I think it's dead. Um, I I was very excited for this game. I played the beta. I played the pre-release. Um, I had beaten the game before most people got the game. I started playing online. I was one of the highest ranked players online. Uh, my Black Widow was one of the first to crack triple digits in power. Um, and then... I stopped playing because I'd ran through pretty much all of the content and I was waiting for my friends to kind of continue to gather along so I could go back and play that older content, but it would be the first content for them. But a lot of my friends have lost interest in the game because of the lack of content, which is crazy because they haven't even gotten to the like higher level content that's there, but it's completely understandable because they didn't have that like fresh new grinding this is dope mentality of 
getting the game release week and trying to like sprint and run and be with all the people that are just playing the game and all that. And it's, it's fun for, you know, you get all your friends together and you jump into, into a mission and you play like two or three missions. And then sooner or later, everything starts to feel the same, especially if you have a higher level player, then that player's just kind of running around, knocking shit down. And they're just kind of along for the ride. Um, Marvel event Square Enix just slipped up. Um, they should have waited um, for next gen, or they should have just waited till they had three or four or five DLCs ready to roll. Um, and they didn't. And it it kind of pisses me off a little bit because I was game for this game. Um, anyone that follows me on Twitter or on Facebook, I was posting videos about this from beta. Um so last night I got an email from Square Enix and they've been dropping they've been dropping player emails pretty much once a month. Um usually it is player stats. Like you've defeated so many aim robots. You're in the top whatever percentile with your character. Your roster is in the top level percentile and whatever. Since since I've been getting this email, I've been in the top 1% when it comes to Black Widow users this entire time. This email was different. This email let us know Kate Bishop is coming. But we don't know if that was a Kate Bishop announcement as in go to your computer, uh, go to your gaming system right now and you'll start to play Kate Bishop missions. We don't know because the email was very vague. Um, actually, I will pull up the email right now. There we go. Kate Bishop is coming to Marvel Avengers. They have dropped the war table. The war table, I think, dropped an hour ago. And it's and it's a deep dive on what Kate Bishop is going to be doing. But we don't know if that means she's going to be playable right now. So this video may be giving us a date to wait even more for the first downloadable content player. Man, we were expecting to be on two or three by now, especially in the fact that these DLCs are mission driven. So it's giving the people that's run through all this content more content to actually play another character to grind out something that can make this game longer. Because we were supposed to see Hawkeye almost instantly. And he's not even the first person to drop. So Kate Bishop's coming. Hawkeye will be coming. Then supposedly it's Black Panther. And then we'll see Spider-Man next year. But <laughs> is this game even going to survive by then? Like, well, There's been a lot of talk on Square Enix pulling the plug on this game. They have these characters coded in the game already. We saw that back in the beta. So what are we going to get if the plug is pulled on this game? Is that going to be it? Are they going to finish development and drop everybody into like one big universe of the DLC? And then we basically have a full second game of leveling up Kate Bishop, Hawkeye, Black Panther, what was all supposed to be in there, Marvel, um, Quake, uh, Spider-Man, and then possibly Inhuman slash uh, the X-Men. There's a lot of people that were supposed to be in this game. 
that were coded in this game. I don't know if we'll get it. And if so, uh, Square Enix just, not just financially, but when it comes to fan support and the people that I have seen on the internet and on YouTube that have tried so hard to justify uh, what has happened to this game. Let us all down. Not even going to lie. Because in a game where I decided to not play as my favorite favorite Avengers player in Iron Man and fell in love with the combat and the adventure and the story and all that, sold my friends on it, sold other users on it, I have to go back months later and be like, well, you know what? This game let us down. How shitty is that? So with that being said, now we are at the end of the episode. I appreciate everybody that's been listening. I appreciate everybody that will listen later in time. This will be uploaded very soon on every, uh, you know, audio podcast outlet that there is. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and of course, the KCPN app that is available on iOS that you can listen to myself and all the other uh, content creators on that app. So with that being said, I will see you guys on Tuesday. And uh, yeah, let's have some fun watching football. Let's appreciate the new games that are out, if you are lucky enough to get a next-gen console, uh, fucking run it, game it, and then let me know how everything goes so I can start reporting on uh, the next-gen stuff that's out as well. Also, no, nah, never mind. I'm not going to let everybody know about that. <laughs> I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. I'm out. Thank you for listening to the Voice of Fandom podcast. You can join live every Tuesday and Thursday by downloading the Podbean app or listen to audio playback exclusively through the Kansas City Podcast Network, available by app download or anywhere else you choose to listen to your podcasts. Nine one one, what's your emergency? Señora, ¿me está diciendo que un tren le pegó a una camioneta? Sí, yo pensé que alcanzaría a cruzar, el hijo iba rápido, creo, y después... ¡Ay, Dios mío, qué horror! No puedes saber a qué velocidad viene un tren. Por eso están los señalamientos de advertencia. Obedécelos. Alto, el tren no para. Mensaje de Nitsa. Oh, what's this? Zenny's 3D Virtual Try-On. Pretty cool, right? Wait, are those prices real? Do they have glasses for men? Yep, they also have affordable blue light glasses. Seriously? At those prices? Get them all. I like where this is going. Zenny.com. Prescription glasses starting at $6.95.